our series on guidance, on guidance. This is message four in the series, and uh, today we're looking at listening for God's guidance, listening for God's guidance. Our first message, uh, we did that one remotely alongside the Riverwalk in San Antonio, and we started with that scripture is our place of beginning. Scripture provides us our boundaries. Scripture gives us that, those, those, that guidance. So sometimes in Scripture we have the direct guidance that we should do and we shouldn't do, and this is how we to approach the gospel, this is how we to accept Christ. And we have the principles as we lead, read in Proverbs and different sections, we have the principles of what we should be doing, but it provides us also those boundaries provides us examples of how God has led others, and it gives us these learning points. So we started with Scripture. Scripture, it has to be back to Scripture. Then we talked about that as Christians, we need to surrender all that we have to God so that He can renew our minds and our approach to thinking. Some might talk about a biblical worldview, but it's how you approach life, and whether it's through a biblical construct, whether it's through you know, what God would have us to do. Many people might ask the question, and you, they have, they've had the WWJD, what would Jesus do? But the big question is, what would Jesus have you do? Are you trying to listen to that? And some people that say, what would Jesus do? But have they committed to what he would have them to do? And so by renewing our mind, giving ourselves to God allows him to renew our mind, as we talked about it in our scripture from Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we might discern what that is, is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It puts us in a place to be able to do that. And then last week we talked about direct guidance when we already know God's will. Maybe we've, uh, we know what it is. Maybe like Abraham. Abraham was told to do different things, but what we, we covered was that it might require that you come out of your comfort zone. God might not tell you all the steps. He told Abraham, get out and go to where I will tell you to go. But he had to get out first. He had to leave out and left his comfort zone. And it really gets down to that concept that we need to trust and obey because it is easy if God lays everything out, that we check it off, that it all makes logical sense to us. But the trust and obey means we kind of walk in faith, in the, in the direction that he would have us to go, even if it doesn't make sense to us. And I think sometimes God doesn't tell us everything he wants us to do because we not, might not be able to handle it. And so today's message now, we're going to uh, move over and talk to listening to God's guidance. Listening to God's guidance and how we might do that. So we're going to look at several passages of scriptures to, to give us some insights on that and what it means to listen to God's guidance. And our first scripture is going to be in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 11 through 13. 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 11 through 13. I'll be reading to you from the New King James Version. Now, we've preached on this passage before in messages, but we're just going to focus on these three verses. And this is with Elijah. 
Then he said, go out. He's talking to Elijah. This is God talking to Elijah. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? It was the still, small voice. The still, small voice. If you're trying to wait on God to yell out the direction to you, you might be waiting a while. Now, sometimes God uses great power or influence that wakes you up. You might not like the analogy, but I sometimes have thought in my mind or maybe shared that it's kind of like God kind of has to hit me upside the head with a two-by-four to wake me up. And sometimes those are more direct and it's corrective in action. It's kind of like with his uh, staff, he's um, correcting me and trying to get me to go where I have to go. But it's really, we want to listen. If we're discerning and trying to discern God's will for our life, we want to listen to the still, small voice. I don't know if you've been in a, in a conversation or in a room, I know my family knows that I struggle with this. If I'm in a room and there is the television's on and somebody's listening to something on their phone and then there's a conversation, I'm trying to listen to all of them at the same time. And I'm not really hearing anything. So you either got to get the other things to turn down so you can hear the things that you're wanting or you got to turn... This whatever else up higher so you can hear it. But have you ever been talking to someone on the phone and they're like, just a minute, let me turn this down so I can hear you? Sometimes we've got to remove the distractions so that we can hear God. Sometimes we might have to meditate so we can hear God. Maybe we might need that time in prayer so we can hear God or hear Scripture so we can hear God. Sometimes... We listen to music, but sometimes that gets us thinking about God, but we might need some quiet time to hear God. We have to concentrate. We have to want to hear that still, small voice. I remember playing football, and, and I'd go out there, and, and amidst all the noise in the band, I could still hear the coach yelling at me because I wanted to. But when you get into the huddle and, you know, if, if, you're, if the quarterback's calling a play or people in the, or you're the quarterback, people need to focus and want to hear you over all the noise that's going on. The still small voice, you have to want to hear it. It's like the teacher that goes in the room or the leader or somebody and they start talking real soft and because you want to hear them, you stop doing the things that make it hard for you to hear, and everybody quiets down. We have to want to hear the still, small voice. 
Because it's interesting that God doesn't necessarily, I don't know that he always yells at us. He might try to get our attention, but it's that still, small voice that we have to listen to. You have to decide to listen to it. You have to decide to turn maybe some other things down. In John 10, 27, we're talking about some characteristics of listening. In John 10, 27, there's a voice out there, a voice out there, a, a um, song out there that references this. It kind of takes it a little bit farther, but you can kind of, maybe you'll see where I'm going. In John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. Now, there's a song that says, my sheep know my voice. And I think they've kind of went on that aspect as my sheep hear my voice, meaning they hear. It's not just the noise, they hear it. There's some, and they follow me. They hear it. We have the ability to hear amongst all the different shepherds that might be out there, all the other things that try to distract and lead us. If, a, if sheep were out in a pasture and there were multiple shepherds, they would hear the voice of their shepherd, that, that recognition. You, know, you would hope that if you have a dog, that your dog hears your voice and responds to you over someone else. But as the sheep... Knowing God's voice and recognizing his voice and desiring, that's the voice I want to follow. I don't want to follow all these other shepherds. I don't want to follow all these other things. I want to hear his voice. I want to hear it. And then I follow it because, as a sheep, they're comfortable with that shepherd. Makes you think of when you're a kid, and maybe, maybe this is not your situation, but I remember as a child, I'd get bored shopping with mom or parents, and I would, I'd want to say, hey, can I look around? Now, the stores I would look around then, I thought were nice, neat to look around, but the stores we have now are much bigger, I think, but I would look around, and, and then you get turned around, or maybe, uh, I remember one time being sent to find my brother, but... He, he was hiding in some clothes rack somewhere. But you're walking around, you're trying to find him, and you're meeting up in the store, and, and you hear voices. You can't see them, but you hear voices, and you recognize that that's the voice of my mom, or my dad, or my siblings. It's the voices that I know. I recognize those voices. And so hearing those voices... I'm drawn to it to know where I need to be. Just like when you call on the phone to some people, you know, when I call my parents on the phone, I say, hello, how are you guys doing? I don't say, hello, this is Chris. They know my voice. I know their voice. And so it's having that kind of recognition that when God's speaking to us, even in that still, small voice, oh, that's God. And all the other clamor, I know that it's God. I know God's trying to tell me something. Am I listening? But I'm pretty sure that's God. I've learned to 
understand that that's his voice. And maybe because it's, I've heard it before, sometimes God trains us, I think, to hear his voice by giving us little assignments and little direction so that when the big things come, we know how to listen. We know how to recognize. We know how to to find them. As we continue on these, these characteristics, we go to Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, whether you turn to the right hand or whether you turn to the left. Let me read that again. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, whether you turn to the right hand or whether you turn to the left. So while you're in life and you're driving down that busy road, or maybe like today where we're at, it was snow-recovered road, you don't really want to keep your eyes off the road to turn around and see who's trying to tell you. There's a voice behind you. It's that still, small voice behind you, and it's telling you whether to go to left or to the right. And when you come to these issues and points, it gives you assurance to go this way or that way. It's not necessarily a loud voice. In my experience, it's, it's, a, it's a constant voice. It's like a hand right in your back that just kind of is nudging you that way or, or the other. See, we walk with God in faith and in obedience, not as slaves. It's a place of obedience. And so... When he guides us and wants us to go that way, if we're sensitive to the guiding of the Holy Spirit, we feel that little nudge to go that way and to go that way. Sometimes it's a little harder. Maybe it's a little more pressing. But it seems to be that something that's constant. It's something that that's, that's, that's that direction. And in your mind, you're thinking certain things and you're doing your pros and cons list based on what you know. But there's this little push in the back that's pushing you this way and you... You might acknowledge it, you might know that it's there, but it's not necessarily the easiest thing. It may not be what you really want to do, but you know it's, that's the way you're supposed to go. Because you recognize that voice of that little voice that's constantly pushing you this direction, and you know, you know it's that voice. Reminds me, I worked at a farm camp, and I rode, I rode a, uh, a buckskin horse there. They had a buckskin horse. I didn't ride them all the time. They had several horses. And there was one of them we rode, and evidently he was trained in barrel racing. And that horse would be sensitive. In the midst of all the riding, they told me that it was trained that if I put pressure on the right side of the horse with my leg, that it knew to go to the left. It was trained in barrel riding. So, you know, in the clamor of life and the things that we're dealing with, we can be sensitive to, the God, to God and allow him to train us. So in the midst of everything that's going on, in the fire, in the flood, in the whatever it is, that we can sense that little touch to know that we're heading in the right direction. But we've got to allow him to train us on some of the, some of the smaller spirit things. Now, there's a caution in all that if we look at it into 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 has to do with trying the spirits. 
1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, he who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now that gets a little bit into when we're talking about churches and doctrines and direction. But at the same time, this trying of the spirits is, is what I'm hearing consistent with Scripture? Is what I'm hearing consistent with the character of God? You know, sometimes good people and what they say can be a distraction. Remember Peter saying something to Jesus, and Jesus says, Get thee behind me, Satan. Sometimes what we hear can be a distraction. We have to see, is it consistent with the character of God? Is it consistent with what God's been trying to tell me? Is it consistent with his... His word, we have to try the spirits, test the spirits to see if they are of God. So, let us summarize. You need to listen closely for the still, small voice. That's behind you. That you recognize. That's God. It's giving you... He's given you the nudge in the direction. That's constant. It's that constant gnawing as I know I'm supposed to go this way. But know your scripture. See if it is consistent with who God is. And follow it. So that's today's message. Is listening to the guidance of God. What does that voice sound like? What does that voice sound like? So remember what we've taught in the other passages, we've taught in the other messages, but today, listen to the small voice, be intent in hearing from God, try, try to listen for the voice that you know that's consistent with God's what trying to tell you. And, and it's not necessarily the yelling, it's that constant gnawing in a good way nudging you in the right direction, just kind of pushing you, that voice telling you to turn to the left or to the right. Father God, we pray to the Lord that this message might go out and the message might be received by those in the room, in this congregation room right now. That it might help them in, as they discern the will of God to understand what they're listening for and how to listen. And what to do with it. 
that they would think about what's in your word. And as we continue in this message series, that we might deliver those next things that you have for us as in regards to some pitfalls we got to watch for and some approaches maybe people have taken that maybe can be damaging or misinformative. But help us as we discern your will to be obedient to it. Help us as we desire to draw nigh unto you as you promised you'll draw nigh unto us. Teach us your voice. Teach us to hear it. Help us to obey it. And give us the strength to do it. Be with us, Father, we pray. Help us to be obedient to you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.